Well, good morning and welcome everyone. I am James Orr and I'm your host with this brand new exciting episode of the Serving Real Estate Investors kind of like uh, podcast, newsletter, kind of whatever we're doing here. So today we're going to cover a really interesting topic, which is why start a real estate investor group? I think there's some really obvious reasons for starting a group, which we'll definitely cover. But there are some other ones which may not seem so obvious to some people who have never really done this or, or really thought about it hard. And so we're going to cover those. We're trying to keep these really short. I'll try to do like, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, somewhere in that ballpark to try to do it. But some of them may go a little bit over. Some of them may be a little bit shorter. But the idea is that kind of share with you information. If you are a real estate agent, a lender, someone else who adds value and serves, um, kind of provides professional services to real estate investors, you know, accountants, hard money lenders, you know, things like that. So so let's talk about why I started a real estate investor group. So I started our real estate investor group. It, it started in a uh, kind of roundabout way. We were, I was doing some real estate investing myself in our local marketplace. And we kept getting people wanting to sit down with me over lunch to ask me about like, you know, how we're doing stuff, you know, what we're doing for marketing, how we're acquiring deals, what we're, how we're analyzing deals. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely introverted, wanted to, sit down. I didn't want to sit down and have lunch with everybody and go over basically the same conversation over and over again. So I was like, talk to my partner at the time, hey, why don't we go ahead and meet once a month at the local library and I'll answer anyone's questions about what we're doing. And we could do that rather than uh, sit down there. And then I get my lunches back. I can go and you know read my my news or read whatever I want to do at lunch and enjoy my burrito in peace and not have to worry about having the same conversation with everybody every week. And so that's how we started our initial real estate investor group. It was me standing up there and doing sort of like a show and tell a lot of weeks or a lot of months uh, of the kind of what we were doing there. Here's the marketing we're doing. Here's the kind of deals we're seeing. You know, here's how we found this deal. Here's what's going on. And asking people, you know, what are you doing? What are you seeing in the marketplace? And started sharing some information that way. And eventually I got my real estate license and started using it more to help people educate people about the investing process in general, and then helping them buy and sell houses using that. So that's sort of the background. We, I think we'd started doing the formal meetings. I don't have an exact date, but it was definitely around the 2003, maybe a little bit before 2003, maybe like really late 2002, but it was right in that ballpark of 2003. So about 20 years ago at this point, it's uh, April 12th, of 2023 as I record this now. So so let's talk about why you should start a real estate investor group. Number one, and we've talked a little bit about this before when we talked about the different topics you can teach to real estate investors, but number one, it's adding value and demonstrating your expertise. So being able to stand up or bring in a guest and ask the guest interview questions and talk to uh, people who are potential clients about real estate investing. And there's a wide range of topics you could talk to about, which we've covered in a previous class. I won't go over again. But being able to do that adds value to the people who are coming to your class. It, it kind of like helps them understand more about the process. And it allows you to demonstrate your expertise and become an expert in their mind about helping them buy or sell properties. And that, I think, is important. Um, and you'll, you'll hear in a second here, but when I get to another reason, it's not just the classes either. There are definitely clients I've had who have never attended a class. There are definitely clients I had who 
have attended one class, never really came back, but they still use me as a real estate broker because they see the emails, they see the contact we have, they see that I'm an expert based on the emails and the other stuff we're having, all the different guests, and the fact that I show up over and over again, and we teach these other classes, and people are still showing up and doing that. So there's a little bit of social proof going on there. The other reason to do it is to trigger some reciprocity. You know, if you do a, a favor for someone else, there's a really good likelihood that they will do a favor back to you. And they don't have to necessarily be equal favors. And so a lot of times when we go and we, you know, spend an afternoon preparing to teach a really great class to real estate investors, we improve our own knowledge. We sit down, we prepare a presentation and we go over all the different things we need to tell them about, you know, using FHA financing in order to do house hacking or buying duplexes, triplexes, or fourplexes, and, uh, you know, doing the nomad strategy or some other way to kind of structure that, or, you know, doing, you know, how to raise down payments or how to go and talk to partners or how to structure a partnership deal or how to screen tenants or how to analyze a deal or, you know, how to, you know, like analyze the deal when you're putting nothing down and the return seems infinite, like all these different class concepts where you sit down and do that. And then you go teach them that class that triggers some reciprocity. They feel as though they got really great value. They feel you've done them a favor. They feel you've added value to their lives. And that that adds to their likelihood. It doesn't, doesn't force them to, but it adds to their likelihood that they will say, hey, look, this guy's a really good guy or gal, and they're helping me by learning how to do real estate investing in my local marketplace. They're teaching me things that I'm not finding elsewhere, or they're combining it into a really easy to understand way, or they're putting me in touch with other local real estate investors that I can talk to and share information with and maybe uh, do deals with, you know, that stuff. And that when they go and they're ready to buy or sell a house inside the MLS or get a loan if you're a lender or, you know, do their taxes, they will think of you more likely than not, and they will feel um, almost like a, a reciprocal obligation. You've done a really good favor for them. You've done you know, a really good thing for them. And, and that that has added value to their lives. And they want to add value back to you. They want to thank you for the things that you've done and, and how you were helpful and friendly and, and really added some good things to their lives. So that's really it. Um, the other reason why you may want to start a real estate investor group is it allows you to attract great clients. So there are people that are out there that are interested in getting involved in real estate investing. And one of the things that a lot of relatively new real estate investor people want is they seek out other groups, meetups, whatever it is that you're doing there to try to find people that are already doing it to be able to share information and tips and stuff like that. And so this is a way for you to put yourself out there in a way where people are attracted to you. You kind of like find the people that are already looking to buy houses. You know there's not a lot of, I'm thinking about this now, I can't think of a lot of other ways, you know, besides an actual house to attract potential real estate buyers, not even investors, but just regular buyers. It's usually, you know, some type of marketing about how to learn how to buy the process, which is really what we're talking about here, or the house itself. And maybe some, a little bit of financing of, you know, different loan programs. But most of the time, in order to attract someone to you, there's really not a lot of ways to do that. And so this becomes a way for you to attract clients to you by having this group. The other reason to start a real estate investor group, and now we're getting you know beyond the like the first tier reasons, I think, for kind of like starting a group, and that is you become a toll bridge for other people who also want to interact with 
real estate investors. As just a simple example, if you're a real estate agent like I am, and you start a real estate investor group, and there is a CPA in town who wants to interact with and be part of, you know, the, get a whole bunch of real estate investing type of clients, maybe that's the type of clients they really, really want. <clears throat> you kind of install a toll bridge position where you are coordinating, organizing group. You've got the email list. You've got the list of people. And if they want access to your people, sometimes they can pay a fee or provide a service or do something of value to you for doing all the organization, doing all the planning, having worked at this for one year, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, in order to put this group together, build a lot of goodwill, build up a lot of you know good resources and tools and, and getting people to show up there. Um, so that becomes a toll bridge position where you can charge directly for access or kind of like insist on value in exchange for access to your real estate investor group. Um, you know, I use the CPA or accountant as another example, but lender is another great example of this. You know, if there's lenders that want to do loans for real estate investors and you have a group of real estate investors, maybe there's something that they can offer to either you directly as like a fee for helping to pay the costs of running the group and organizing the group and doing that. Um, or maybe they offer something to your real estate investor clients that is a value and it's so compelling to you that you want to actually share that. And so they're paying a fee, a kind of like a, a toll to go across the bridge to access whatever it is that you want there. And I think that this becomes a durable source of tools. You know, it, you'll, you'll get, once you start a group and you've established it for a while and you get some traffic to it, you will start to see people reaching out to you as the runner or owner of the group who are wanting to access your group, you know, like uh, national speakers coming in who want to sell a course or they want to, uh, you know, get their people to talk to them about, you know, raising money or, you know, doing these big deals where they're syndicating a deal or, or lots of different things like that. You'll see people come do that. Same thing with uh, when we do a podcast, you'll see people wanting to come and be a guest on your podcast and share information with your audience. You now have the audience, you have the group that you've started, and now people are wanting to get access to that. And so they could want to come in and either pay you a fee or do some type of advertising swap or joint venture marketing of some type. And you could actually benefit from having that group as a, uh, as a sourcer there. The other thing I'll point out is once you realize that this is itself an asset that you're growing, you know, you're growing up a list of people who are interested in real estate investing in your local marketplace. You're building up a lot of rep good reputation with them. You're making lots of deposits by adding a lot of value, teaching great classes, um, you know, providing resources, all that stuff. The asset itself becomes sellable. There, there are, I live in a town of about, uh, well, now I live in a town of a little over 100,000 people. Previously, for most of the last 20 years, I lived in a town that had slightly higher population, probably in the 150,000 range. And so I live in a relatively small town and there are two real estate investor groups. Um, there are several of them, but two relatively large, mine and someone else's uh, real estate investor group in town. And I know that a few years ago, they actually went and sold their real estate investor group from one person to another. Um, they've since sold it in the second time. And I don't, I don't know the exact terms of it, but I've heard rumors on the street that it was upwards of just under $100,000 is what the sale price was of this real estate investor group. So the, the group itself has value. Like taking the time to grow the group over time, investing money in order to get people on your list, to get people to come to class and teach them things. And then you'll get some 
transactions or loans or you know tax returns or whatever it is that you're doing to serve your real estate investor clientele, like whatever your professional service that you're providing, you will get business from it as well. But then it's the the actual group itself will become saleable. Um, and it is an appreciating asset. The more people you get to come to the group and grow and the more people you have on your list, I think that becomes a more valuable tool. The last reason, and, and I think arguably one of the better reasons to start a real estate investor group is it is a simplified value adding stay in touch tool. And I want to cover there's, and maybe I should even do a separate video just on these and really dive deep into them. But there are three different kind of authors, uh, founders of real estate uh, brokerages who talk about referrals. And um, so Gary Keller, who was one of the founders of the uh, Keller Williams kind of company, um, he talks about in his book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent Book, the concept of you know doing an eight by eight. You, you contact people eight times over eight weeks. And then after that, you put them on a 33 touch per year system where you're trying to stay in contact them uh, with various strategies, you know, calling them on the phone, doing you know, drop buys, um, doing, you know, monthly newsletter or whatever you're doing there. But he wants you to stay in touch with people 33 times a year. And he says, if you do that, if you stay in touch with somebody 33 times a year, um, if you have a group of people that you're staying in touch with 33 times a year, uh, then for every 12 people you have on your list, you will generate one direct transaction and one referral transaction. So really it's two transactions, one direct and one referral for every 12 people you have on your list. So for every six people you have on your list, you're actually earning a commission. That's his numbers from the book. Um, and, and that's kind of the numbers that he suggests. Um, so if you're staying in touch with your real estate investor group because you have weekly classes and you're able to email them and say, here's the class for the week and here's the video from last week in case you missed it. If you're interested in buying or selling, definitely reach out to me. We can grab you know, lunch and discuss kind of what you're trying to do and how I might be able to help you or whatever it is that you're doing to kind of stay in touch. But this becomes a really good value add way of staying in touch by doing that. Then for every, I don't know, if you're doing that every week, that's like 50 touches, 52 touches uh, a year instead of the 33 touches. And if they end up coming to the class, that's a face-to-face meeting, which is even more powerful, in my opinion, than actually doing just an email to somebody. Or if you're doing text notifications to let people know that there's an upcoming class, or you're doing some type of voice blast or voice broadcast to let people know that you've got a particularly good class that week. Um, so all of these different ways, 33 ways to stay in touch, and you're doing you know, some type of physical printed monthly newsletter that you send out that has a list of you know a couple articles and maybe you know the list of the classes that you've got upcoming. Uh, mine usually went out about uh, six to eight weeks or so into the future. So you had like a list of the classes that were coming up there. So the, all these different ways of staying in touch um, could become way more than the 33 you need in order to do that. And they're value adding. It's not like you're just calling them up and saying, you know, uh, here's how, here's a tip for, you know, the changing your clocks or moving your clocks back, you know, which is the common one, or here's the uh, Broncos schedule, the, uh, the football team schedule or whatever you're doing there. So that's Gary Keller. So Gary Keller talks about doing an eight by eight to get people, whenever you put someone on your mailing list for the first time, you stay in contact with them and establish uh, eight contacts over eight weeks. And then he suggests you do a 33 touch per year um, to, in order to do that. The other guy is um, Larry Kendall, who started the group. Um, if you've ever heard of Ninja Selling, he has a book out by it and he goes over this strategy in there. But basically what he says is he wants you to, um, stay in contact with 50 people a week to reach out to somebody and talk to them about family, occupation, 
recreation and their dreams for them is what he basically talks about doing. And so if you do that, if you contact 50 people per week and you keep on your mailing list, you stay in touch with them. Um, his rule of thumb is for every household you have on your list, it is worth about $1,000 per year in gross commission income if you're a real estate agent. So if you've got 100 people on your list, that's about $100,000 a year. If you've got 200 people on your list, not, not individuals, family, households, um, then you'll you'll do about $200,000 a year in gross commission income. That's his rule of thumb, having seen all the ninja selling guys and doing polls and stuff like that, which is an interesting one. So if you have, you know, 50 people on your real estate investor group, you know, this is this is actually small numbers. It doesn't need to be this huge thing. You know, some people think, oh, you know, if I'm not getting, you know, 5,000 people to download my podcast episode, it's a failure. No, I mean, I've run a whole bunch of podcasts for a whole bunch of different cities. And there are ones where it's like onesie twosies. There are a lot of them where they're onesie twosies, you know, right now. And, I'm, you know, they're brand new, but they're they're growing over time. And my, my goal, just to kind of give you an idea of like where I'm heading personally with my kind of real estate investor thing, my goal in my head, my kind of like mental framework for growing this is I would ideally like to have the 305 cities that we've selected by population that our real estate investor podcasts are in um, to have 100 real estate investors download, subscribe so that they download the episode every time we release a new episode. So in my mind, I'm looking for a hundred real estate investors that I could really add massive value to in that marketplace and really help learn about real estate investing and real estate financial planning and whatever else that we're planning on, on doing to serve those guys. And I'm doing that. So it's a hundred, but we also have 300 cities. So for me, it's worthwhile to grow and do this wide thing. But if you think about it, any 100 kind of like downloads for any given city using like Gary Keller's rule um, would be for every six of them, we do a transaction. So what is that? So if you have a hundred, let's see here, I'll do some math with my calculator just to kind of give you a feel. So if you've got a hundred of them divided by six, so that's like 16 transactions per year. If you're doing that now, I don't know if we're going to do that. Um, I, I think my numbers were a little bit worse than what they're suggesting here. But still, if, if you're able to do that, and let's say your commission in your marketplace is $10,000. I don't know if it is. So that's like $166,000 a year. Is that worth doing? I think it probably is worth doing. Uh, I definitely found it worth doing. You know, I think when we were, you know, prior to COVID, when I decided to take sabbatical and not really work anymore, um, I think we were doing, you know, between 35 and 40 transactions a year with our real estate investor group. So I don't know, that's probably in the ballpark of what you're talking about there. Now, so the uh, Larry Kendall, the Ninja Selling guy says, you know, it's $1,000 per household. So if you've got 100 households on there, um, you know, that's $100,000 a year. If you could build up your local um, kind of like podcast and real estate investor group over time, it doesn't, it, this is like a really slow, steady growing sort of thing. Yes, you could do things to kind of add a person at a time. But this is not something where you put it up and you get a thousand people following you immediately. This is like you put something up and it's hard to get that first person to listen. It's hard to get that second person to listen. Eventually you get to the point where you, know, you have a hundred people on there and maybe one out of a hundred refers a new person. So now you have some organic growth from the internal referrals part of the system, where now they're starting to add some people and it's not all your manual labor going into it. So they add, you know, one person a month and then they add another person next month and another person next month. And they're getting some organic growth there, but you're also getting some organic growth or manual growth if you want to look at it that way to do that. So I talked about 
Gary Keller's eight by eight and 33 touch and how that's really two out of 12, one direct sale and one referral uh, for every 12 people on your list. So one out of six transactions uh, for every six people on your list that you stay in touch with over the course of a year, you expect to do one transaction from that. And then ninja selling Larry Kendall's kind of model is a thousand dollars per household that you have on your list that you stay in touch with and you, you do forward with. And, and honestly, the real estate investor group is great for forwarding people because they all come to you uh, once one night a week. You know, you get, you know, five, 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 people in a room, depending on the size of your group and how long you've been doing it. And now you get the opportunity to connect to those folks. Say, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's been happening? You know, how's your family? How's, how's work doing? You know, he's still working on getting that deal done. Whatever it is that you're talking about, their dreams, their family, their occupation, their recreation things. What are they doing that weekend? Like all those things happen and you get to know them over time and you get to develop those really good relationships. And I think being face-to-face with them is better in a lot of ways than doing even telephone. And then, you know, below telephone is probably like physical newsletter. Then probably below that is email and or text then email. And so I actually should do a class on the hierarchy of communication where we talk about like, in my opinion, what the value of different ways of communicating with your list are. But I digress. So to go over a last person. So Brian Buffini has another kind of like way of thinking about these referrals. He talks about, um, you know, working by referral, calling your database, staying in touch with your sphere and just developing that relationship over time. And he basically says in his, uh, his like, um, I don't know, whatever they call it, referral maker database, his CRM in some of his books, talks about making one, getting one referral for every 20 calls you make. And for every three referrals you get, you get one closing. So his version is, for a certain number of calls to a certain number of referrals and a certain number of referrals to a certain number of closings. You know, I don't know how to exactly adapt that to a why, you know, why start a real estate investor group exact numbers there. But I will tell you, if you're staying in touch with people and bringing them to their investor club and, you know, giving them value and stuff like that, you're going to see people want to work with you. You're going to see transactions from that. So the, one of the main reasons why I think starting a real estate investor group is an amazing reason to do it is you get the simplified value adding stay in touch tool a reason to contact them every week and share with them what's going on all right so that's all i got for you hopefully you enjoyed this class on why start a real estate investor group and then we'll talk about why taking the the videos the audios of the recordings of the classes that you've got there and then publishing them to a podcast is just bonus and being able to grow that over time is just hugely valuable and highly important for you to do that's all i got for you this has been James Orr, Serving Real Estate Investors. If you missed the live classes, I really would appreciate if someone come on live so that we can start collaborating and, and doing some stuff together. But I'm happy to help you and do the videos and do this on the podcast if you'd rather just do it that way. Uh, maybe that's what this will end up being. I don't know yet. And uh, we will go forward with that for now. Uh, but this has been James Orr. I hope you enjoyed. Bye-bye for now.